0: Well, we're in the midst of our Advent series. This is the third week that we've been studying Advent. And then we come in, in a moment where, you know, we're, we've watched our kids just have fun and, and celebrate and remind us what this is all about. And it's a beautiful thing, it really is. And it makes us feel like that everything's just right in the world, like everything's okay, like it's going to be all right. And the reality is hang on, we're going to change the mood just real quickly. It's going to be shocking. It isn't okay. It's not okay. This world we live in is not right. It's not. I mean, If it was, let's just consider this for a moment. If it was, if everything was okay, our pop culture would cease to exist. I mean, think of it. Adele. You guys have certainly heard of Adele. She's one of the most popular singers in the world right now, right? Have you listened to the lyrics of her songs? She is angry and hurt. And beyond the fact that she's a great singer, I mean, she's really got a powerful voice. I think the reason that people connect to her so much is not just her voice, but because they've been hurt too. And they like the idea of getting even with the person that hurt them. They like the idea of of finding victory over the the moment of pain honestly we would lose one whole genre of music if everything was right in the world country music would cease to exist no more crying in our beers getting upset cuz somebody kicked our dog or we had a flat tire on our truck it wouldn't we wouldn't have those problems our, our television how many hours a week do you spend in front of a television entertained By the problems of other people. I mean, CSI. What's it about? Why is CSI so popular? Law and order. All of the law and orders and all of the CSIs. Really. Our our movies. Men, we wouldn't be able to take our, our, our girlfriends or our wives on dates anymore because chick flicks, date movies, they'd be gone. There'd be no more stories of love turned to trouble and back to love. It'd be over. It'd just be love, and who wants to watch that? Come on. There's no entertainment value there. There's no production value, and everything's good. Even Elf, you know, we came here and we watched Elf last night. Even Elf is built on the premise of a boy who was lost, who was abandoned in, in, in 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 an orphanage, and as funny and as light as it is, When he finds his dad, before his dad accepts him, his dad sends him away. Oh, and then we laugh at it. Something wrong. It really shocked me as I I thought about this and prepared for this message. It shocked me that the lowest part of our existence, the lowest part of our life here on earth, our suffering, our pain, our troubles, is also the thing that entertains us so much really kind of sick. That demonstrates to me that there's something wrong. Something drastically wrong. We don't just do it in pop culture. I mean, we set aside days and call them special days because we like to take our mind off of all the troubles. I mean, they're holidays. That means they're special. Think about our holidays. Memorial Day. Remembering those we've lost. Started out as a, a memory of Those who died in the Civil War became a a memory, a memorial of those who gave their life in service to our country. And now is really remembered as a time for everyone we've lost. I'm not saying it's bad to remember that. Don't hear me saying that. But that's what the idea is. MLKJ Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, it's one of the most recent holidays we've put on the calendar. We celebrate a man who was assassinated. Because he was fighting for civil rights. Because our world is so messed up that we're, we're, we're bound to the view of race, racism. I know there's, there's people that didn't want this. They didn't want to consider someone with a different color skin the same as them. You know, or even really Christmas. Even Christmas with all of the trappings. We get caught up, don't we? I mean, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when when life goes on, when we move past December 25th and we've dealt with the stress of, of all of the extra time, the extra bills, the, the pressures we've put on ourselves? What, what are we going to do? What, is it, what has it done to us? Have we really treated one another nicer? I mean, maybe... You didn't experience it this year, but it happens every year. There's numerous times when people are angry with one another because someone got to the gift they wanted first. What happens? Maybe you've seen the Facebook post. It's gone around um, quite a bit. I've seen it on several of my friends' uh, walls where they've said, remember, this is not a time that everyone thinks as the best time of the year. But it reminds them of the ones they've lost and they feel lonely and empty. Even Christmas has a sting to it. Because there's something wrong. And I, I, hear, hear me. I'm not trying to burst your Christmas bubble or pop uh, uh, pop your Christmas buzz, bubble or, or ruin your Christmas buzz. That's, that's not what I want. I, I want to challenge you. I, I, I want to give you something that will intoxicate you with the peace that passes understanding, a hope that doesn't disappoint, a joy that comes in exceeding abundance. You see, that's what I long for you. And that's why I I start with this idea that there is something drastically wrong because in that, in that solid, unfriendly, stark and cold truth that there's something wrong, that's where we begin to realize that in Christ's coming, something was made completely right. You know, it was so bad. It was so bad. There was nothing we could do. It was so bad that God had to come to us to set things right. Oh, certainly. In all of these stories, and all of the songs, in the holidays, the celebrations, there's moments that seem like there's going to be be a peace after the storm there's there's moments that seem like there's going to be a hope that satisfies there's moments that seems like there's going to be a joy after the sadness but all of those things they continue to repeat themselves over and over I mean we're still writing country songs not because anybody really likes him, be honest, but because people still need to cry in their beer. We still feel hurt and sadness. The, the, the television shows that we sit in front of and entertain us because we're thankful. Oh, but there's something drastically wrong. And we live in a world of turmoil and trouble. I really struggled with with this because as I considered the message today, I, I really wanted to preach on a, on, a, on, an, on, a, on an idea of having peace. And then what do you do when you wake up on Saturday morning and look at the news and find out that we live in a world where people do horrendous things to one another? How could we ever know joy? How could we ever know peace? How could we ever experience hope when we live in a place where a man can shoot his mother in the face and then climb in a car with full intention and knowledge of what he's doing and walk into an elementary school and kill children and staff members? How could we know this? How could this be? Because Christ came here. That's the only answer I have to offer. No, no amount of wrapping paper or lights or tinsel. No number no, no, number of gatherings with family. No number of gifts will make this right. The reason we celebrate. The reason we know hope. The reason we can have joy. The reason we can find peace is because Christ came to us and as we study today, I think you'll see that this is, this is the, the, the push or the desire or the intent that God has for every moment in our life. And it's not just a season. It's not just meant for December 25th or the four weeks between Christmas or Thanksgiving and Christmas, but it's meant for every day. He came here. That's the only reason to celebrate we're going to be reading in, in in Luke chapter 1 picking up in verse 26 as we as we challenge ourselves with this truth as we as we recognize the difficulties of life and recognize that God came to give us something much different it says in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name Was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, Greetings, O favored one. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Isn't that a moment? I mean, I don't know what I would do in that moment. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. If God hadn't come, To do this work, nothing would ever be different. But notice, I I love this passage. I love the clarity of this passage because in it we recognize that it wasn't the work of mankind. It wasn't the things that they were doing that made things different or better. It's not the work of mankind to come and, and provide salvation. It's not the work of mankind to bring grace to one another. God is the source of grace and salvation. God did this. Look at it. Verse 26, God sent an angel. Gabriel didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, i got this great plan. I'm going to go out on my own, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and just trust that God will back me up. Gabriel didn't come up with this. Gabriel didn't do what he wanted to do. Gabriel submitted his life to God, the Father. Gabriel, one of the only two angels named in Scripture. It's a big day when Gabriel shows up to give a message. But he does it because God sent him. God sent the angel. This was God's plan. This was God's work. God bestowed grace on Mary. Verse 28, it says it clearly. Gabriel greets Mary. He says, hey Mary, oh favored one. Literally, in the Greek, this means one who's received grace. One who has been graced. It's like taking grace and turning it into a verb. You've been graced by God. And what grace is, is His unmerited goodness. His unmerited kindness. His his unmerited, undeserved work in our favor. It's totally different than the Roman Catholics would describe it. The Roman Catholics would describe this if you're Roman Catholic, I, I'm not trying to offend you, but I think you're wrong. Uh, sorry, um, but but you've heard them. You, you you've heard it said. You you've, you've heard it said as "Oh, Mary, full of grace." It, it, it almost it lends itself to, to to their teaching that Mary is full of grace on her own; that she's got grace to bestow on others. But in this passage, in the original language, in the Greek context, we can see clearly. That she is a recipient of grace just like the rest of it. And that grace is not, is not somewhere welling up inside of her. That grace is bestowed on her from the outside. God did that. God gave grace. He bestowed it on Mary. He gave it to her. And like Mary, as recipients of grace, I mean, hear me, as as recipients of grace, God moves from, from one that's To to be feared, to one that's to be revered. Mary is startled. She hears this greeting. She doesn't know what to do with it. I I don't know exactly what I would do with it either. I'd be shocked by it probably. I'd be shocked by an angel standing in my my kitchen. What do I do here? Here's this heavenly being shown up and the angel says, do not be frightened. Why? Why? Because you have found favor with God. You have been graced by God. As a recipient of grace, it's not that we shouldn't have a healthy dose of fear of the consequence of rebellion against God. Don't hear me saying that. But as a recipient of grace, we no longer stand under judgment and punishment. As a recipient of grace, we are under His care. And we move from one who fears Him and who cowers in His presence to one who looks to Him in reverence and in awe. John wrote, speaking of God's great love and God's grace, just just know this, God's grace is a result of God's great love for you, His people. He tells us in, in, in his letter, 1 John, he says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see, the reality is this. It's different. It's a new life. It's a new perspective because we no longer fear the consequence of God's judgment. But we can stand in His grace. Worshipers of the great God who created us All should just wash over us. Inspiration for the work that He did. Love and and devotion should rush up in us that we might give ourselves to Him. You see, this is the work of His grace. He did this. God bestowed that grace on Mary. And if you're here today as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, you need to know that God bestowed this grace on you And you have been moved from punishment and judgment to a place of concern and care and goodwill. You see, that's what will make it better. That's what will bring peace and joy and hope. That's the source of our unending joy. And God did this work through Jesus Christ. He he not only brought grace. He not only sent the angel, but God chose Mary. We don't typically like this in the United States because we love to think that we are the masters of our own destiny. But I can tell you that Mary didn't decide to be the bearer of this child. God chose her. He gave her grace to do this thing. In fact, part of the grace He gave her, we'll deal with this in a minute, part of the grace He gave her was to bear the Son. His Son. His grace on her didn't just call her righteous, didn't just allow her relationship with Him. His grace brought to her this honor to be the mother of Jesus Christ. I think you could petition God all day long. He's probably not going to do that for you. He chose once to do this. He chose. Because he's sovereign and he chooses. That's what God does. God chose Mary. God worked the impossible to make this all possible. God worked the impossible. Mary, and I'm not going to deal with this long because it turned out so bad a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the virgin birth, but you can go back and listen to the podcast. We won't go there. Virgins don't give birth. It just doesn't happen. God worked the impossible, and and here, look. Mary knew this wasn't possible. She's a teenager. She lives in a podunk town. She, it's, you know, it would be like it'd be like saying she's from Blue Eye. Yeah, we may have heard of it, but we don't really expect anybody or anything big to happen in Blue Eye, except that they get out a lot of snow days. I see them every year for weeks. I don't know how they do it, but that's where Mary's from. It's a simple little girl, uneducated, probably can't read. Nothing special about Mary. (laughs) But when this angel tells her, you're going to have a baby, she's like, wait, there's a problem. I've never been with a man. God knows. He knows. And with him, nothing is impossible. God worked the impossible. To make the provision of His grace and salvation possible. God did that. Is that not worth remembering? Is that not worth celebrating? In this moment, are you not moved by the grace of God? Are you not encouraged by the hope that, that, that you know will not disappoint? By, do you not sense a joy and a satisfaction that comes from knowing that God has worked in your good will or for your good pleasure It doesn't not move you to know that the God who created everything, who needs nothing, thought enough of you to come and be with you. That you might know Him and have a relationship with Him. Oh, I hope that in this moment that you're not celebrating and excited about the season because there's Christmas trees on either side of the stage or even these beautiful bows that just barely got tied on the banisters that you're excited because God did this work. God did this. What was He doing? What was, he, what was His purpose? What was, why did He send the angel? What was He about doing? Step one, He's sending this special little baby. And He tells us in this passage who this child is going to be. He says this child would be called Jesus. And we saw this a couple of weeks ago when we studied the passage from Matthew. Joseph, after Mary's pregnant, Joseph hears from an angel in a dream that this, this, this baby is special, that he's Emmanuel, God with us, that he's to name this baby Jesus. Mary's told the same thing. Name this baby Jesus. Call him Jesus. Because he's going to be a savior to his people. He is going to save his people from sins, from their sins. We'll deal with it a little more heavily here than we did a couple of weeks ago. This, this has a twofold meaning. It, it, there's a dual perspective here. This means that we will never, as God's people, endure the full consequence of our sin. He will save us from the suffering and pain that truly comes, that, that the full extent of that that comes as a result of our sin. He will save us from it. Not only in the end will He save us from that, that eternal consequence, but as He looks at you right now, as, as, as God looks down on you as His child in grace, He does not see you as the sinner. He doesn't frown on you because you've disappointed. He doesn't look on you as if you've not measured up. Certainly those things are all true. He looks on you in the grace that he's provided and the mercy that comes through the salvation of Jesus Christ as one who is beloved, as one who brings him pleasure, as one who is righteous. And see, the reality is, the reality is, is that in these, these two perspectives, we can know as believers in Jesus Christ that we are as close to the eternal consequence of sin that we will ever be. We certainly are going to feel the weight of it. We are going to feel the pain. We are going to deal with the suffering here on earth. We are going to deal with the struggle. But you will never be closer than you are today. The eternal consequence of sin will be lifted because Jesus has saved you from it. And every day as you walk, you are able, like Mary, to walk with the God who is with you. Because Jesus has saved you. You see, the reality is this. Our salvation is not some eternal or or distant dream. Our salvation is not some distant dream. It is a present reality. We walk in salvation today because Jesus has come, because Jesus is our Savior, and He has saved us from our sins. Our salvation is not a distant dream. Boy, you should be tweeting that but a current reality. You should be remembering that because that's the source of joy. That's the the great hope. That's what brings peace in the midst of stormy circumstances. We are safe in Jesus Christ. We have been found righteous by our great and perfect God. Not only does he bring about this name and and, and tell us the purpose of Christ, but he tells us who who he will be. He will be great. Oh, golly. How do you describe this man, Jesus? It's difficult. He's great. That doesn't even do him justice. I mean, the the, the words, they come to me, and I, I thought about it. I was like, how do I describe this? How do I tell you how great he is? Oh, He's great! I could shout it even louder and it still would fall short. Think of it. Think of the, most, the, the, the greatest time in your life. He's greater than that. Think of the most amazing circumstance you have ever experienced. He is greater. Think of the greatest person you have ever known. And they dim in the shadow of our great God, Jesus Christ. He is great. You know, at the at the at the word of Jesus, the deaf heard, the lame walked, the blind saw. He's great. He had the authority and the power to forgive sin. Oh, he's great. He cleansed the filthy, he made them clean. He's great. This 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 baby called Jesus. This man. Who is God is great. He's the son, He's, he's the Son of the Most High. And, and, and you need to hear this, you need to know this because if you're ever challenged with it, you need to hear. It. There are other passages in the Bible that, that refer to, to other individuals or not individuals but other groups as sons of the most High. The disciples at one point are called sons of the Most High. The, the angels in the beginning of Job, the sons of God were gathering in front of him. But never in any other place is there an individual picked out with this perspective. He is the Son of the Most High. The, the Gabriel went on to say later he says, He is holy, He's distinct, there's something different. He's set apart. The Son of God bestowing on Him this divine attribute. Jesus alone, Jesus alone and no other, is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, He's going to be a king in David's line. And for us, you know, this really doesn't seem to make a lot of sense or doesn't maybe strike the same thing as it would for those Jews who would have heard it. Because we live in a democracy and we like to pick our leaders and we... We're going we're to do what we want and we're going to vote for our rights and we're going to pursue our desires. But we need to learn about this. We need to recognize that Jesus is King. The kings were installed and the people in the kingdom did not get to say whether they approved of that or not. They were just expected to submit. It's like renting, renting. It's like renting a house from a landlord. Who owns that house? When you do things to a rented property, what do you have to do? You have to seek permission. You have to seek guidance from the owner. It's probably the closest thing we can even come in our culture to, 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 to compare to this. But this king is a king that they've been waiting on. It demonstrates that God had been working this plan because David had been given a promise that his son would sit on a throne and his kingdom would be extended. This man, this this baby, this this baby that God was going to put in Mary was to be the king of kings with an eternal reign to be the, 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 um, the, the realization of a promise, to be the fulfillment of this prophecy, to be the one prophesied from the beginning of time. He's a forever our Savior, His greatness and glory forever to be seen. He's our great eternal King because His kingdom, He is a King with a kingdom that will not end. It's eternal. It's everlasting. What this means is is that those in Mary's day, people who are alive today, and those that will be alive in 2,000 years should Jesus tarry, we're all going to be subject to His rule. He has all authority. And in a way, I know that, that 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 grates against part of who we are because we really believe we should be able to do whatever we want. Oh, we wouldn't admit that in good public circles, but we certainly act like it. Oh, we really believe that we know what's best for ourselves. I know you wouldn't tell your preacher that, but we really act like it. And I look, I'm, I I'm not trying to be confront. Well, I guess I am trying to be a little confrontational, but I'm not not, not saying this without knowledge. Look, I do the same thing. I want to rule my own life. I want to be my own God. I want to be my own king. I want to rule and go my own way. That's the struggle. But we will never know the peace that passes understanding, the hope that doesn't disappoint, or an exceeding joy if that's the life we strive to live. He's a king who will rule. Regardless of your permission, he's a king who will always sit on a throne. There is no escaping this kingdom. He will always rule. We can take it or leave it. Well, but what do we do? I I I think I think that most of us, that that even those outside the church, I think that there's a desire for happiness. We wrote it into our constitution for crying out loud. Because we feel like we deserve to pursue happiness. That we have all these rights that we should have bestowed upon us. There's no laws. There's no entertainment. No celebration. It's going to make you feel better about life. There's something wrong here. But God came to set it right. How are you going to respond to that? What are you going to do with that? What do we do with that? Well, Mary, she hears this and what she does. As she receives this grace, as she receives God's goodness that she didn't know to even ask for, and she receives it, she responds in humble obedience I am your servant, your handmaiden. Basically, do with me what you will. She surrendered. She submitted. And and I want you to recognize this. I don't think it was easy for Mary. Ask a woman who's given birth. And they didn't have the drugs that we have today. Ask a woman who's gone through nine months of pregnancy. We We just had a baby in our church. 26 hours of labor. I don't know if Mary had 26 hours of labor, but my goodness, that's not easy. But that's God's grace. He gave her that. It's it's His grace. Isn't it supposed to just bring nothing but serene pleasure? In the midst of His grace, are we never to feel the weight and struggles of the world? Uh, What do you think it was like in her culture as she begins to show Joseph was so upset he was going to divorce her. And if the angel hadn't stopped him, it would have happened. She could have been killed as an unwed woman having a baby. It's not like she could blame anybody. I mean, God did it. It's his baby. Who would have believed her? Oh, not only is she pregnant outside of marriage, she's a nut job. You see, God's grace leads us to this place that doesn't always look good and doesn't always feel comfortable, but you can know this. He is with you. That's the most amazing line to me in this whole passage. And, and, and the angel says it early on, Mary God is with you. He's with you. He's with you. So we can walk in the midst of these horrific circumstances in a world full of evil where people do evil things. We can struggle against our own sins. We can feel the weight of the trouble and turmoil. We can know peace that passes understanding. And we can enjoy a joy that's exceeding and abundant. Because God is with you. Oh, man. This is the message that we should be telling ourselves every day. When we wake up in the morning and we know that it's Monday, and golly, nobody likes Monday. That's why I take it off. I hate Monday. truth but God is with you when Tuesday comes and the weekend seems so far away God is with you when the news story plays about the most horrific event you've heard of in just days because the reality is is that this shooting this event that happened just this last Friday was horrific and I do not want to take away from that in any way. But it's, the, it's, it's, it's at the end of a year of many incidences. Even in Bolivar, for crying out loud. Even in Bolivar, there was a guy that was going to go to a movie, Twilight, and shoot people. And then he decided, you know what? My 400 rounds may not be enough, so I'm going to go to Walmart instead, so if I need to reload, I can reload And so everybody comes up with all their answers, gun control, psychological uh, profiling, uh, more psychiatric care of our children. The answer is Jesus, a real hope, a real peace, a real joy. Jesus is the answer. God came here to be with us. That's how we get through. That's why we celebrate. That's what we look forward to. And the truth is this. We recognize that in the end, His kingdom doesn't end. In the end of days here, His kingdom comes down and His rule is made complete and we will walk with Him in the flesh, this King who came to be with us. What do you do? Do you want to know a joy that that, that exceedingly bubbles up out of you? Do you want to know a peace that passes understanding? You want to know a hope that will not leave you wanting. Walk in God's grace. You probably won't have to carry a child. His child. You, you carry a child maybe if you're a woman. It's not always going to feel great. But you can know that it's for your good. That He has got your good in mind. And His great glory. Let's pray, Father. I I just want to take a minute, God. Just I feel the weight of of all of these things that have piled upon us this year. As, as we think about the horrific evil that has been done among us. God, I I don't even know what to ask in this moment. But that as we lean on You, God, as we look to You, that You'll do all that You've promised to do, God. Fulfill Your promises in Your people. Provide for us, God. Not just in physical things, but in spiritual, God. Let us know You and see You in our lives. Let us feel Your presence. Let us walk with You, God. God, would You just be with this church, with this people as we walk in this world? How would You show us that we might proclaim this amazing message to those that need to hear it. Would you help us to walk in your grace? Strengthen us for it, God. Prepare us for it. Equip us for it. God, help us in it. Father, for those families this morning that are... That are hurting, and I, I know that there's many more than, than those in Connecticut. I know there's people in this room that have experienced loss, that have dealt with struggle and pain, and and this time of year brings about a sadness. Remind them that this is a celebration, not of secular things, but of the moment that you came into our existence, that you put on flesh and dwelt among us, that that is the moment we celebrate. God, would you bring peace, joy, and hope to the hearts of the suffering. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.